All right, chapter two of the book of Philippians, and uh, let's just uh, let me just kind of uh, open this up by saying this is one of the four prison epistles. Okay, prison epistles, which means that the apostle Paul wrote this book while he was in prison. Uh, now, I don't know if you guys have ever been with somebody and uh, you're having a bad day or you're having a bad season. And uh, all of a sudden they say back to you, hey, I I know what it's like. And you know that person and you want to say, no, you don't know what it's like. Well, in Paul's case, if we were to sit down with Paul and tell Paul the difficult season we're in or the stress that we have, it would almost feel stupid Um, because of the burden that he has. Now, I'm not trying to minimize any of our problems, but he was shipwrecked twice. He was whipped 39 times, five times. I know that was confusing on how I said it, but he was whipped five times. He was snake bitten. And on top of that, he spent three years in jail. So, I'm not trying to compare our troubles to his troubles, but when he speaks, I listen. Do you understand what I mean? Like, and he's so full of of joy and so full of faith that there's a part of me that just says, how in the world can you be so positive and have such a rich relationship with God when every time you look around, things are rough? And so uh, I've really enjoyed diving into these scriptures, and I want to encourage you to come week after week. After we're done with Philippians, we're going to go to Ephesians, we're going to go to Philemon, we're going to go to Colossians. We're just going to unpack these epistles because uh, there's so much rich information there. And the Bible says this, that uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. So as we begin to hear this stuff in a systematic way, your faith will go up. I don't know about you, but it's incredibly frustrating um, whenever uh, we want to believe in God. I want to believe in you. I just don't. Well, within a few weeks after we unpack these scriptures, your faith will go up. I promise you that. All right, so let's dive right into it. Philippians chapter 2. And uh, i tell you what I want to read first. I want to read uh, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. Uh, and it reads like this. This is Paul speaking. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together in one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of, your, thinking of others as better than yourself Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Now, um, when I uh, begin to study for this chapter in a very transparent moment, 
I started laughing in my office because I was thinking, God, you would have me studying this right now. Uh, Because over the past few days, I'm just being transparent, I've had some some people poking and jabbing. um, And a a few times I responded really well, and a few times I I didn't respond very well. Um, And it's just... um, and when I don't respond well, it's not like I don't respond a little bit not well. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's not like, you know, I'm the guy that, hey, if you're going to fall off, <laughs> like, you know, just let me just, if you're ever going to break a diet, eat the whole cake. Don't take a bite. Just pound that thing. Uh, listen to me. What kind of counsel is this? But anyway. <laughs> Uh, I don't a little bit mess up. I, I all the way mess up. And, and then I've got like so much apologizing to do. And, and so I, I open up uh, the Bible to study for this message. And, and it says that we're supposed to act and have the attitude of Christ. And so this is so funny that I'm sharing this. I actually thought, have the attitude of Christ, have the attitude of Christ. I just stopped and I thought, well, Maybe I'm defining attitude differently in my head than the real definition of attitude. Maybe I'm doing good. Maybe I don't need to adjust anything. So I looked up the word. You see how these painstaking efforts that I go through so that I don't have to change. I'm fine just the way I am. So I look up the word and it says attitude in psychology. An attitude is an expression of favor or disfavor towards a person, place, thing, or event. So it's either you're favorable towards it or it's not favorable. Either you you have a positive outlook or a negative outlook. It's either positive or negative, positive or negative, favorable or unfavorable. And I'm like, why has it got to be so crystal clear? And so the Bible is saying, Paul is saying, I want you to have the attitude of Christ. And so let's just unpack it. Um, Here we go. Point number one, choose to lose. Um, When I was in my internship in Rockford, Illinois, uh, I had uh, 12 other guys, or actually there's 11 other guys, and there was one girl, poor thing, but uh, we were being interned, and and one of the guys asked um, the question, the teacher, why are there so many jerks and idiots in the church? And it was one of those moments where we were like, bro, that was out loud. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're, you don't say, I'm supposed to say that out loud. Uh, and, and so the, the answer, the question back was, the, the answer that the teacher had was brilliant. He said this, he goes, Uh, It's not that there's jerks and idiots in the church. It's wherever there are people, you are going to be rubbed. So don't ever think to yourself, well, you know, I want to quit going to church and I'm going to start hanging out at the local pub. Do you not think that there's jerks at the local pub? 
If you want to quit working at a job because there's jerks at that job, I can guarantee you there's going to be jerks at the next job. Do you see what I'm saying? Wherever there's people, there are going to be jerks. And now jerks is is a, a relative word because what I've learned is the people that I'm calling a jerk, usually I'm the jerk. It's not really them. It's usually me. Um, But that's a different subject for a different day. Uh, So what I want to say is there is going to be constantly opportunities to cross swords with somebody. Every morning, every evening, every afternoon, on the highway, in the house, with your family, with your wife, with your husband, with your kids... There's just, it it just, it's endless. It never, ever, ever, ever stops. It never stops. It never stops. And, you know, if, if, if you like to look at Facebook while I'm preaching, don't look at Facebook right now because this point right here is like incredibly important. And, and I know most of you that are looking at your phones or reading your Bible, which is awesome, but just hear this point. We have to choose to lose. This point is not on the screen, but I'd like for you to write it down. Losing means our will and our desires will not be met so that someone else's will and desire will be met. Yes. Our will and desire will not be met so that someone else's will and desire will. Just for the sake of being repetitive, let me say it again. Losing is when your will and desire is not met so that someone else's will and desire is met. That's called losing. Now, losing requires discipline in order to lose properly. Because losing properly is, takes laser focus and discipline. What do I mean by um, losing properly? Uh, if my wife and I are in an argument, and I'm just going to pick something silly, like picking up the kids, okay? Um, hey, can you go pick up the kids? You know... I don't want to pick up the kids. I'm I'm watching the game. Well, you can TiVo the game. Well, I don't want to TiVo the game. I want to watch it live. Well, somebody needs to pick up the kids, and I've got the baby. Well, I'll watch the baby and, and watch the game, and you go get the kids. Well, I've been running all day. I don't want to go get the kids. You go get the kids. So now we've got it starting to escalate. As one theologian, I can't quite remember his name, says, wow. That escalated quickly. <laughs> um, but it, now it's starting to escalate. It's starting to, get, it's starting to get big. Well, you go get the... I don't want to go get the kid. Look, I've been looking forward to this game all day. I'm tired too. And so now you see where it's going. So now this verse comes to mind. This thought comes to mind. Lose. Now, there's a couple ways I can lose. I can lose properly. Or I can lose wrong. And so I just want to say, if you're going to lose, if you're going to lose, you might as well just lose right. Don't waste your loss. Does that make sense? Don't waste it. 
Here's what losing wrong looks like. You know what? Fine. I'm going to get the kids. Are you happy? Just tell me you're happy and then I'll be happy. Are you happy that you won? You see what I mean? So I lost because I'm going to get the kids, but I just wasted my loss. So if you're going to lose, don't waste your loss. Man, this is kind of good. This is pretty good, isn't it, James? Is this helping anybody? Don't waste it. Either lose or or, or don't lose. Uh, But I want to say this. You do not get both. You do not get to win spiritually and win physically at the same time. You do not get to win physically and spiritually at the same time. Let me explain. Let me use a real easy one. Um, Pornography. It's an easy one, and it's Wednesday night, so all of our teenagers and kids are down the hall. (laughs) Uh, Somebody wants to look at pornography. Uh, The physical win would be looking at it. But then you lose spiritually. But if you don't look at it, you win spiritually, but you lose physically because now your flesh didn't get what it wants. So you don't get both. You either get one or the other. Your flesh either gets stronger and your spirit gets weaker, or your spirit gets stronger and your flesh gets weaker. You don't get both. So whenever you are debating on whether or not you're going to choose to lose or not, just know you're also choosing where you're going to win. So if you choose right and you say, hey, honey, um, I'll go get the kids. No big deal. I got it. You go get the kids. Physically, I lost. And I'm ticked. Ticked. But spiritually, I'm getting stronger. So you don't get both. You pick one or the other. Which one do you want? Which one do you want more? And I know what you're thinking. Well, it depends on who's playing. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. And I've thought that too. But I just want to say that the more, uh, uh, Jeannie Mayo, my mother in the Lord, used to tell me, Frankie, the stronger person always apologizes first. Don't ever forget that. The stronger person always apologizes first. And I, I remember thinking, well, I guess I'm going to live my whole life not being the strongest person. That was simple. What's the next lesson for the day? Choose to lose. Choose to lose. And I want to say this. There, there will be moments of intimacy with God that people will covet from you. They will wish they had a relationship with God like you. But you were willing to lose and they weren't. There are certain things available for people who are willing to lose physically but win spiritually. There are certain things available. You know, I felt the Spirit of God speak to me a few weeks ago. And I just felt the Lord tell me there are certain sermons only a praying man can preach. And I would like to just kind of add on to that. There are certain experiences with God only a losing person can have. 
This is better than what I thought it was going to be. Might have to get the, I might have to get the tape for myself. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equal, 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 equality, thank you, equality with God. So this is Jesus. He was God, but he didn't think of himself as equal with God. As someone to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. This is Jesus. He gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave. So Jesus stepped out of heaven and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Paul is pointing out, look what Jesus did and look at the consequences of these decisions that he made. We're still reaping the benefits of his decisions. And I'm so thankful. Is anyone here just thankful that he did that? He's, we're just thankful. Just thankful. Absolutely. Put your hands together for that. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Let me dive further into it. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 9. Now, here comes our next point. Therefore, God... Now, I like the word therefore because the therefore means um, in response... To what I just said. It's, it's referring back. It's, it's like a conclusion to the premise, if that makes sense. Therefore, because Jesus, let me put that in, because Jesus did this, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So because Jesus did this, God is saying every breathing thing is going to kneel down to you because of what you've done. So here's point number two. The more we give up, the more we receive. The more we give up, the more we receive. Um, I was talking to somebody on our staff the other day, and I said, if you ever want to know how to apologize to somebody, come ask me. <laughs> because you probably don't know anybody that has messed up more than me and has apologized more than me. So come talk to me. I am a pro at eating crow. That should be a t-shirt, shouldn't it? <laughs> just for kicks, camera, do not zoom out. Just for kicks, just for fun. I want you to raise your hand in this room if I have apologized to you. And don't lie. Go ahead, go ahead, real high, real high, go. One, Natalia, I saw you go like that. One, two, three, four. I know there's more. Jonathan, put up your hand. My gosh. <laughs> five. Rick raised his hand twice. <laughs> There's five. Anyone else? Come on. There you go. Six. I know I've apologized to you. Six. 
I'm glad you can barely remember. I can clearly remember six. Anyone else? Anyone else? I'm, I'm telling you, I, have, I, I am a pro at eating crow. I've, I've done it. Humble pie, I can bake it with my eyes closed. I, I mean, I just can. But, and I hate it. And I, hate, I hate apologizing, not because I don't like doing it. Well, I don't like doing it, but it's just bringing to the forefront what I just did wrong. And, and it's humiliating. And um, once again, I, I, I'm going to refer back to Jeannie Mayo. She told me, Frankie, when you can no longer apologize, you can no longer be in the ministry. Just so you know that. And um, I kind of wish she was never in my life, that lady. She really, <laughs> for those of you that don't, aren't familiar with her, I've, re, I've referred to her my whole ministry. She's my mother in the Lord. She adopted me spiritually when I was like 19 years old. But the more we give up, the more we're willing to say, I'm sorry, the more we're willing to lose, the more we're willing to lose right, the more we receive Notice what happens when Jesus gave himself up. The Bible says that God raised him up. He raised him up. He he honored him and he raised him up. And every single time, it's almost immediate. It's funny how you say it. It's almost immediate. Every single time I have sincerely apologized, I have walked out of that conversation feeling like I'm a better person. Can anybody relate to that? The, the real apology, the, the sincere apology, not this fine, I'm sorry, the, the, the real or the sorry with a butt on it, you know, those don't even count. It's like, you know what I'm talking about? I'm sorry, but you should never have. Um, the, the butt erases everything, right? You know, it, it's just, it, I could make a thousand jokes on that, but I'm not. Um, but boy, do I want to. Um, <laughs> Okay, I will. You got to leave your butt out of it, you know? (laughs) You got to leave it out. You just got to apologize. And you'll walk out of there just feeling uh, better, stronger. When, When Jesus lowered himself, God raised him up. And you just have to trust that. You just have to trust that. Let's go into our next point. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Dear friends, watch this, this just kicked my tail. Dear friends, you, does anyone feel like getting their tail kicked? Our, this scripture is going to kick half of our tails, okay? You ready? Watch this. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. Here it comes. And now that I am away, it is, it is even more important. So what he's saying is, he's talking to the church. He's talking to the church in Philippi. He's saying, look, when I'm with you, all of you have such great attitudes. But when I'm not with you, I'm hearing like you aren't living the same as when I am with you. And let me tell you how I read that. Frankie, when you're at church, (laughs) there it comes, You can't be one guy, and then when you're not at church, you're a different guy. You you can't be an A-plus first-class leader, 
at church and be a sorry leader at home. You can't be this encouraging person to the administrative assistant and and the camera guy and then not be an encouraging person to your own wife. You can't do that. Frankie, you you can't be this this God-fearing, humble person on Sunday morning and then on Highway 45... (laughs) You just can't. I was in a movie theater the other day and there was these guys like three rows up being real loud. (laughs) You, You know, you ever watch the Hulk? Like... And the guy turns green. I could feel myself turning green. I I just knew that I was about to say and do something that was way out of line. And and these guys were going to stand up and like beat me up. And it was going to be embarrassing. But all these... I can't be the guy in the movie theater getting into a fight and praying for people's salvation on Sunday. Do you see what I'm saying? I can't be this. Let me go further. Can I go further? Is this okay? I mean, I'm keeping myself on the hot seat here, okay? We can't use the four-letter word of, man, I love you on Sunday morning and then use different four-letter words throughout the week. It doesn't, that kite doesn't fly. We may fool each other, but God see the Bible says that everything lays bare before him. And there's among us, there's sheep and goats, wheat and tares. And, and Paul tells the pastors, I think it's in like first Timothy, he's talking to the pastors. He goes, don't try to separate them. In other words, Frankie, don't come walking in the church and going, look, this guy right here, he's really a goat. He's not one of us. Get him out. And this guy right here, I, uh, get him out too. He's, he's, not, he's not one of us. The, the Bible says you, you can't tell the difference between sheep and goats and wheat and tares. They, they all look the same, so don't try to separate them. They all look the same on Sunday morning. Don't try to separate them. But God knows who's really the sheep. And he knows who's really goat, acting like a sheep. He knows. Because he sees Monday morning. He sees Tuesday. He sees Wednesday. He sees Thursday. He sees Friday. He sees Saturday. And Paul is saying this. What I'm hearing is that when I'm with you, you guys act straight. But whenever I'm not there. Man, you know, when you claim to be a follower of Christ... We have to be ready to make some serious adjustments in our life because you don't get both. You either win with God and your pride and ego gets crucified or your relationship with God gets crucified and your pride and ego thrive. It's either one or the other. I hope somebody wrote that down because that was better than what I could have planned. Here we go. The rest of this verse. Verse 12. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard. 
It's like, bite your lip. Change your attitude. Get your eyes on God and stop staring at yourself. Work hard. That's, that's, that's what he's saying here. Now, uh, let me uh, dive into this, um, this thought right here. Verse 3. Uh, I'm sorry, point number 3. But let me read the verse before we, we unpack it. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. So it says work hard and obey God with deep reverence and fear. Point number four, hold on to and be led by the fear of God. I feel like the fear of God is the most important virtue that there is. The fear of God. I know in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says that of all the gifts, love is the most important. So I'm not trying to debate that, but I, I want to position my argument this way. That you don't love God unless you fear God. And, and, in one, and in, depending on how you're wording the word fear, it includes love. Because I, looked, I did a quick study on the fear of God to find out exactly what it was. And it's living in respect this isn't on the screen, so write it down if you want to. The fear of God is living in respect, awe, and submission. Respect, awe, and submission. And without the fear of God, there is no respect. There's no respect for his word. You know when somebody is not respecting his word, when they choose what they're going to do. And choose which part they're going to follow and which part they're not. It's like looking at the Ten Commandments and saying, all right, I won't steal, but uh, I am going to treat my parents like trash. And when I stand before God, it's all going to work out because I'm, I'm better than most. See, that right there is not respecting his word. That's, that's, that's saying, you know, okay, um, I'm not completely submitting to his word. I'm, I'm, I'm going to submit to this part, but not to this part. And without the fear of God, listen to this, you don't, are not compelled to show up to church on a regular basis. Without the fear of God, you have no need to forgive somebody. Without the fear of God, you have no compelling reason to not hold a grudge. Without the fear of God. You know, I ask myself this question a lot. Is there anyone that I cannot bump into in the woodlands or spring or Houston or anywhere on this planet? That if I bump into them, it's going to be awkward. Do I have a grudge? Do I, have I, have I, now, I'm not saying that they don't like me. That's a different story. There's a long list of people that don't, that don't like me. I'm talking about just with me and God. Is there anyone in this world 
Because you know what it says, and I I wrote it down, uh, the reference for you. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. When you are praying, forgive anyone you have a grudge against so that the Father will forgive you too. So don't even pray if you're not willing to forgive someone else. Because the grace and the forgiveness that you're wanting is not available for you. So let me just, I I knew I was going to hit this point and all of a sudden it was going to feel like real awkward in this room because half of us have blended families and I'm in that category. And so now there's a lot of people thinking, I ain't ever going to forgive that bum. You can forget about that. Here's the thing. I am not suggesting that you need to call your ex-husband or call your ex-wife or or call the person that did something wrong to you. I'm not, and, and say, I just want you to know I forgive you. I'm not suggesting that. Now, if you feel like you need to do that and that's what God wants you to do, then you need to do that. What I am saying is that you have got to reach the point in your life, whether you ever call that person or not, you have got to reach the point in your life where you forgive in your heart, in your soul. Now, that person may never know, but you got to get there. You got to get there. And, and when you're fighting or arguing, that's why the Bible says, be angry and sin not. It, look, getting into a fight with some, my wife and I get into a fight on a regular basis. I mean, she's Canadian. She's wrong a lot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you've ever met her, you know clearly I'm, I'm, I'm the, the one responsible. Um, you don't have to say, yeah. <laughs> Um, but here's the thing, her and I can, can argue and we can really argue and we can do whatever. There's a difference between being angry and just straight up sinning. And, And the difference lies in what am I thinking when I'm not around her? Am I building a bigger case so that the next time I see her, I got more ammunition? What? Ammunition. Ammunition. Thank you. (laughs) I speak for a living if you haven't figured that out. (laughs) Or am I alone saying, all right, God, help me figure this out. Help me figure this out. I I feel strongly about my position. Help me figure this out. Help me figure this out. Help me figure this out. Are, Are you with me? And and so we got to just back up and just say, all right, every single thing, whether it's forgiving people, not holding a grudge towards people, all of these things are so incredibly important because it influences our relationship with God. And when the Bible says that he sees everything, he sees the moment where you say, I am sorry. But you don't want to be sorry. He sees that moment and he sees why you're doing it. He sees why you're doing it. He knows you're not saying I'm sorry just because you like to say I'm sorry. He sees you saying I'm sorry because with his x-ray vision, he's able to look 
past your flesh and see inside your heart. And he can tell that you are doing the very best you can to choose to be godly in spite of the fact that you don't want to be godly. You're still making yourself be godly. It's like eating vegetables when you really want like, you know, Rocky Road ice cream. It's like, I can see, it's almost like God looks at you and says, I can see why you're doing this. And I can see that it's hard. And the only reason why you're doing this is because you want to be close to me. And I love you. And here's the encouraging part. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says this. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Point number four and the last point is that God is active within you. You know, when you begin to think, oh, man, God, I don't even know what to do with myself. I'm just like, if, if, this, if this is the needle and, and this is where you want me to be, this is where I am. And, and I don't even know what to do with myself. Have you ever uh, thirsted and wanted and desired to do something wrong, but it just feels so good? Like telling somebody off. It's like, God, I will be godly just as soon as I'm done with this one conversation. <laughs> and just like the rifleman. Anyone remember the rifleman? Bah, 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 bah. He had this, this, this rifle where he'd, he'd cock it and shoot it at the same time. And you just cock it. Anyone remember that? Hold your hand up. It's like you just want to walk up to that person and go, pa, 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 now I'm ready to be godly. <laughs> and, and it's like this, this needle. God, I know you want me over here. And there's other examples that I could easily use. But I know this is holiness. I know this is godliness. But this is where I am. And, and I don't even have a desire to be over there. And that's where we just begin to encourage ourselves with the word of God. And with that scripture. That God is working on our desires. And he would say back to you, just, just be patient. Uh, I'm working on your desires. And then the second half of that point is that I'm giving you the power to follow through with it. I'm working on your desires. And I'm giving you the power to follow through with it. 